Stefan Lobel, welcome to the Button Up Podcast. Excited to have you on. Thank you. It's great to be here. I would point people at your episode of The Pitch if they really want to know some of the intricacies of the company. And you gave a very brief overview of how you started the company in that. Mm -hmm. But we're here to hear the whole story. Yeah, sure. I mean, so um, the company began with me living in Vietnam. I took a job writing software there for $4 an hour. And while I was there, I wore travel clothes. It was a fantastic adventure. I lived in an alley that was not wider than my wingspan, right? You get one motorbike down that alley, pigs and chickens in the back. And mm. anyway, so I get on my motorbike and I drive to work every day and I wore travel clothes because I could get caught in the rain. It was hot and steamy. I was comfortable and it looked good enough mm. for writing software in Vietnam. When I came back to New York, I had nothing to wear. I was frustrated. Never mind dry cleaning and all that costs. Didn't want to spend the time to do laundry. And of course, everyone's using technical fabrics to work out in and climb mountains and all that stuff. And I said, hey, we got we to gotta marry these two things. Why do you go to Vietnam? My wife and I wanted to have an adventure before having kids. Okay. Yeah, and we'd both traveled a bunch. And, um, but I had never lived anywhere. Living overseas is unbelievably different compared to, to just traveling. Yeah. Whole different level. So Were, were yeah. you in the city? Or? I lived in Hanoi. Oh, cool. Yeah. And what, like, what brands were you wearing? You know, what was the best, the best option back then? I was wearing Patagonia. Oh, okay. Yeah, no doubt about it. Did you watch the Vietnam, the Ken Burns Vietnam documentary? I have. Yeah. Oh my God. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah Strong recommend there. The neighborhood we lived in is, is right next to the venues, the Temple of Literature, and, and in between that and the train station. And there's a park in our neighborhood that has manholes, right? The purpose of the manhole is you flip the lid and jump in the manhole and close the lid on top of you to get away from American bombs. Yeah. Did you learn a language over there? I did. Mocho. Very nice. Oh. <laughs> That's good. So then you finish school, you go to Vietnam with your wife. Finish school. Mm -hmm. So prior to, to living in Vietnam, I had a long career in software. I'm older than I look. So your background is software development. That's right. And you wanted to go to Vietnam for exactly. the Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So you come back. Come and what year did you come back to New York? Uh, about 2010. Perfect time right after the crash. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. And then at, at that point, you're still wearing Patagonia. That's like the best. You know, yeah. The best or I'm like ironing shirts and I'm, you know, none of the other D2C tech companies existed at that time, mm -hmm. right? There's, there's sort of this observation that a lot of people like me had at the same moment that said, we are tired of putting up with clothes like this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I was just wearing, you know, normal stuff. It's interesting you mentioned the crash because the whole catalyst for me to start the company came out of me being miserable in my day job. I mean, if you think about you want to take something on really big in life that's like big and scary and hard to do. Sometimes you need something to push you over that edge. Right. And what happened is I, I was miserable at my day job. I, I had nothing to do. You know, I love software in the past and this, this job was just sort of going down the tubes. But because of the crash, I felt like I couldn't leave. My wife just had a baby. So I'm like, what do I do? So moved out of our apartment, moved in with my parents, slept in their bedroom for three months. My son slept in the closet. It was, Crazy. And, and that month I went to FIT and figured out, okay, how am I going to launch an apparel company and get it off the ground? Mm -hmm. And uh, at the end of the summer, like, do we stay in New York? Do we do this? I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Move back into another cheaper apartment and uh, start working away at it. Eventually put a single pair of pants on Kickstarter and they took off. That was like one of the earliest travel, like hybrid travel and stylish type of brands out there yeah it's interesting i mean if, if you watch the video you see two things one you're like good lord like we didn't know what we we're doing <laughs> i mean like the photo on the on the front of the project if you go look the belt loops are different widths right there's three <laughs> pairs of pants lying on my ottoman terrible photo and the design is all different you know I mean, it's just like wow um that's the first thing you'll see but the second is that in that video we never said the word travel i mm -hmm. just showed my life mm -hmm. I, I talked about 
how much I hated caring for my pants that wrinkled and that I, how I'd lived in Vietnam and I just want a pair of pants I could pull out of the footlocker or the drawer every day and, you know, wear for a week straight. And, um, you know, I biked to work in them. I shoved them in my bag, you know, going to the gym and I went out for a night. I got hit by a wave on the ocean or whatever, you know, just showed like these things, they never quit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was our customers that told us in their feedback that they were going to use them for travel. And since then we've, we are a travel brand, right? That people wear for their everyday lives. And we acquire customers mostly through travel. So mm-hmm. our customers are the ones who told us that. Mm-hmm. So when the Kickstarter is 2012, 2012, yeah. I know you blog a lot now. Like had you started mm-hmm. blogging as you were developing? Zero, zero. Yeah. Didn't, didn't own all the social handles for the company name. Didn't, you know, had no following at the time. It was a special moment in Kickstarter. It's, it's difficult to march on Kickstarter now and just have it go poof. Um, you have to bring your own audience, mm-hmm. right? Either an audience you've built up or by running ads, Facebook, et cetera, to bring people there. Yeah. But at that moment in Kickstarter, if you got on the front page, got a lot of exposure. That's what yes. happened. Hmm. I know. That's when I backed the coolest cooler. Aha. Uh-huh. Still haven't had, still haven't gotten it. <laughs> don't, don't have yeah. that cooler. Yeah. Still don't have that cooler. Uh, yeah. It's a sore spot. So is, is that how you raised the funds to get the, the company off the ground? Or had you done like friends and family stuff before that to get Kickstarter going? Um, yes. I had done friends and family before that. It was about $110,000 to find materials and do R&D and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Kickstarter certainly helped. Most projects lose money in Kickstarter, especially in peril. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a steep climb. Mm. Um, and it was certainly, you know, we were blown away. We did not expect to have that level of success. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, in turn, it, I mean, it takes a long time to, to be at a level that's scalable. So I kept my day job for two, two and a half years running the company on the side. Mm-hmm. I stuck it out in that software job. Wow. Until I went full time. <laughs> did everybody in the office know like Stefan's wearing his pants again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can't, no, I can't clean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't clean. It was, so People are pulling you aside like, let me get those pants. <laughs> I, you know, it, it was... Um, it was difficult. It's, it's hard to have a family and a day job and a, and a night job. But if you're serious about making something go, you got to put your nose to the grindstone. Yeah. That's the, the wives become the true heroes there. I say about mm-hmm. my, my wife all the time is like, the reason that I can do this is because she's the real hero. Yeah. 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 No doubt about it. Now you're ready to leave your day job. Things have you've gotten some traction, yeah. right? And you're like, all right, it's time to go full time on this. Yep. And that's 2015. Yes. All right. And so at that point, though, you're, you have to go out and, and raise money so that you can continue R&D, sure. expand yeah, the line. Absolutely. I mean, inventory is expensive, right? Like in, in apparel, you can't, you can't buy one unit and sell it tomorrow and then buy a unit again. So cash flow is everything. You know, you have to buy a minimum order, you know, 500 or 1,000 pieces of a style. You know, and if, if you're paying $25 for something and you have to order 1,000, you know, there's 25 grand, right? And how many months is that gonna, it's going to take you? Mm-hmm. And the goal is to turn that inventory as quickly as possible to turn the cash and you started like with the blazer like you started manufacturing in new york like did you have partnerships around the city so that you could like just go and see them and and get that stuff moving no i mean it's funny i still have a relationship with that factory and i'm like what were you guys thinking you know and they they call me a kid they're like this kid walked in or like let's take a chance on this kid and i'm like you know now i realize how difficult it is to be successful um long term you know there are a number of kickstarter projects that have raised more money than we have particularly in pants mm-hmm. and those companies don't exist now, right? Cause success in Kickstarter is one thing and success, you know, outside of that is another. And for a factory to, to get their money back, you have to reorder a lot of times. And the fact that they, they even took a chance on me or whatever, it's, it's amazing. And then yeah, in New York, we did a 135 production runs before we moved it offshore. Yeah. Wow. At what point do you close like a series A so that you can then start to build a team? 
what was the pitch? Is it 2019 now? So 2017, 2018, mm -hmm. you know, that's when I was, I was working on it. So yeah. and it's not a series A yet, it was still seed round. Oh, still seed. Yeah. But you're able to build a team off of saying like, I yeah. got this, I have this product, I have this vision and yep. I need people to help me out with it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And then just uh, incidentally, and people always seem to be interested, you know, the reason that we moved out of New York is because we outgrew the factory, we outgrew the scale and the complexity of managing it. We had to order all of the trim, all of the zippers, all the materials, the fabric, the fusible, the, you know, we had to order the dozen pieces of ingredients that would go, the components that would go in to a garment. Where the model overseas, they manage that for you. They're managing the marking and the grading and pattern making, you know, all the raw material procurement. So, you know, we buy a single garment and we have a U.S. partner to run all of our overseas factories that are, that are in five countries now. We hear that from like every brand that we talk to that either tried to start in the U.S. or like wants to manufacture there is it's just so hard to hit a scale in the U.S. with anything like Miz and Amain was the same way. I mean, they went offshore mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. long after that, like mm -hmm. suiting. It's, it's like once you get to a certain scale, there's no expertise here or there's no like Alan Edmonds is like the only one that's like, OK, they still yeah. manufacture a lot of stuff here. Yeah. But you have to go to where all the stuff is being made, the raw materials yep. uh, in order to have any kind of scale. They also have to have be equipped, have the right. Um, the right tools, machinery, and experience to make the garment that you're interested in. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes you're like, oh, I want to do this t-shirt or I want to use a flat lock seam. And like, we don't have a flat lock machine, right? We don't do that here, right? I mean, it's yeah. just, um, it'd be like, you know, back in the software days asking like, a, you know, a DBA or somebody who's really focused in, sorry, database administrator, somebody's really focused in like, you know, database tables in the back end to write an app for your iPhone. Be like, that's not my thing, mm -hmm. right? So... Like yeah, we make have buttons, not zippers. So yeah, yeah. You need to have the factory that matches, even in you know a blazer. Like, a, is it a fully constructed you know canvas lined blazer, or is it a blazer with a softer shoulder that's made in a different way? Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, you need the right factory for the job. And what was what was like the hardest thing as you were going through the first couple of years? Like, I mean, there's obviously stumbling blocks every day, but what are some of like the biggest learnings you took away from going out on your own like that? Probably if most entrepreneurs are honest, the biggest thing is, is probably their own weaknesses, right? Because, you know, I was really good at my software day job, but now I have to do a dozen different things in the company. And um, that ain't easy. So that's one. Um, but the second would be vendors letting us down. I mean, the number of times a vendor has let us down. I mean, we almost lost, lost, we almost lost the brand due to a, a branding misstep where we went with way too fashionable of, of an image. We've had production issues. We've had fabric that, that we found out was, uh, they call it submarined into China, illegally imported into China. Hmm. You know, we've had waist sizes of garments come out two inches too big. We've had a fusible that goes in a blazer. So think about it. You've got a shirt. You've got a collar that's stiff in it. You know, that collar is not stiff for no reason. It's not just two, two things of fabric. There's some stiffener in there. It's called a fusible. It's applied to the back of a fabric. So if you put that in a blazer and that fusible has a problem, it's not applied with the right temperature, your blazer's got ruffles, right? Mm -hmm. So we've had our bumps. I can't remember if it was in the pitch episode or if I had, if we had talked about it, but there was a whole order that you had yep. that, of blazers that had yep. like a big crease. Yep. Right? Yep. That, yeah. And it went, went to one of our investors and yeah, that whole story's in the pitch, right? Okay. Sent yeah. that email, yeah. And then, I mean, how'd you come back from that? You were able to, it seems like though, even though you've had some of those missteps, like you're still able to provide customer service and redeem yourself like you haven't had any like truly awful uh things happen customer service is key and the values with which we approach it we just we want to make it right for our customers you know i i still feel like you know myself where i had nothing to wear and i opened my drawer and there's nothing in there and like uh, iron something or whatever you know I, I i still feel that i connect closely enough with that such that when i think about my customers i want them waking up in the morning 
And I want the clothes to be less important. Whatever they're doing, like that's their hero's journey, whether they're working really hard or they're traveling or they're just, you know, they're super involved at, you know, church on the weekends. It, it doesn't matter to us what that is, but we want to power that by making clothes less of a pain in the ass. Speaking of customers, like when after post Kickstarter, you launch your website, how did you actually get new customers? Like how did you get people to your website mm, yeah. before anybody knew who you were? No doubt about it. That yeah. is the most difficult thing. Yeah, I mean, for us, it was about bloggers that had picked us up that said at the time, you know, these are the best pants, right? So it, was, was, it was, it people, was it bloggers, like travel bloggers who discovered you through your launch campaign and then they kind of became evangelists? It's, it's travel. Some of them discovered us through Kickstarter, others, I do not, I can't tell you how they found us, right? Huh. I can't, you know, maybe they were Googling, you know, travel pants themselves. They stumbled upon us and, you know, there's so many that, that have written about it. But, um, you know, at the time we had one original pair of pants and then we added a, a Chino, which we've since replaced this year with a better Chino. And it just, you know, it grew from that. Hmm. So, but I mean, you know, frankly, the Blazer campaign saved the company. I mean, so what had happened, you know, that year is in the spring, Back to strengths and weaknesses, right? We're like, okay, in order to, to grow this and communicate better with our customers, my way of communication is very is very personal. And that's an asset for us in terms of people are like, hey, this is a brand from a real guy who like eats his own cooking and lives in his product, mm-hmm. um, travels, et cetera. But I need editing, right? In terms of like, how do we communicate in the best way such that a new customer is going to understand what the hell you're talking about? You know, it feels weird to have some personal guy, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a communications and art like that. So we hired a New York city branding firm and, uh, in order to allow them a chance of being successful, you got to give them the reins, Mm -hmm. right? Can't cut their legs out from under them. Mm -hmm. So we gave them the reins and they screwed it up. My wife calls it the sad model, you know, where he's just you know, gloomy and he's mm. running his hands through his hair and it's just like so mod. Careful, and you're describing most brands. I, out there. <laughs> you know, you just described my entire Instagram feed. <laughs> that's how, well, that's how influencers are too. Like influence, like even on my stuff, like the photos that end up doing really well, I'm like looking off to the side. Yeah. Like, don't look at the camera. Don't right. smile. Yeah. And of course, and of course, you know, there's times where someone will, you know, want to look like that from us as well. But, but, they, but this was just like, it was just too far for our brand and, mm-hmm. our, and our customers and everybody who's seen it since were like, what the hell are you doing? You had this authentic personal brand, you know, where you live the product, you have these, you know, rabid customers that you found on Kickstarter. This is working. So you should pour gas on this. And, uh, our conversion rate had dropped by half. Wow. And we were, yeah, we were in trouble. So it was the idea though, to remove the reliance on you as the model and the personality, like they wanted, they wanted Bluffworks to stand on its own. It's not. That was partly, that was, it was partly, but it was also to go from being a product company to a brand. Cause at okay. the time we only had two pairs of pants. Mm-hmm. So we, um, we changed the label and the logo in the pants. So we had this sort of old chinos and new chinos, which were exactly the same, except it had new labeling in it. Right. So the old stuff was on sale. So our, our sales had maintained for a couple of months and we, you know, we hadn't realized. And once that sale ended back in the real world, woof, that's when the conversion rate was just down. And we weren't mm-hmm. talking about the features and the benefits and, and the why, why our product was so great. We're just trying to show fashionable model pictures. Um, and that's not what we're good at. And that's, that's not who we are. So there we are. We get to the fall and uh, getting ready to launch the Blazer, which the Blazer took years of development. We've had, I had um, fabrics that I've wear tested that passed after six months of wear testing. When we go to, we went to bulk production on 5,000 yards and this happens often. Bulk production is not the same as what you get in a sample. 
and I shot around the world video in Korea and Vietnam and India and uh, got ready to put that video on Kickstarter for that blazer. And I get out of the cab at Newark airport, look down my pants and they're pilling. Hmm. So this is the challenge with it to take a technical fabric, make it soft, not shiny, mm-hmm. not, not swishy, not wrinkle, not swishy, mm-hmm. right? To have the, the matte and elegant finish of like of our blazer and our chinos now. It's difficult to do, and they usually break down with pilling or holes, or you know that that was a, that was one of the many first stabs at our blazer that just went went up in smoke. Mm-hmm. So it took us another good year and a half, and thankfully after that branding misstep, we had a blazer that that it's our Gramercy blazer, a number one seller now. Mm-hmm. Put that on Kickstarter, raised three hundred forty-two thousand dollars, saved the company. Very nice. Where did Bluffworks? I don't think we talked about where Bluffworks, the name and like the branding, come from. I mean, yeah, um, you know, I was uh, we did a brand, we did a naming exercise in the beginning, and I guess one of the ways that people do it is we identified ten different categories and we brainstormed names in those categories with names about New York, names about me, names about adventure, names about you know the things that I came up with that connect with the brand. And um, for me, I like defiance. You know, entrepreneurs are defiant and. Um, I think entrepreneurs are terrible employees. It's like, if you're a good entrepreneur, you're a bad employee. That's, yeah. I, there's probably a bunch out there, but God, I, I loved working for other people when I had a, when I had a good mission. Uh, that's true. I yeah. did. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, no, defiance and creative and, and bluff came up, you know, just as a word. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone had said that when he wears his pants to work on a Monday morning, he feels like he's sticking it to the man because of all the fun things he did in them over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Bluff works. All right. And so that's, that's what happened. And so, Blazer saves company. Yeah, successful production run there. Yeah, a fold issue on a, on a, some of them. Yeah, but yeah. you're able yeah. to recover from that. Bumps. And so, so you did. You know, you did the pants, the chinos, then you did the blazer, right? And then you start going to dress shirts. But it seems like at the same time you're developing, you're you're incubating, developing each of the products as yeah. they go because they don't just come out in three months. <sighs> right. I mean, you have to understand, like, to get to to get to our threshold T-shirt. The reason we call it the threshold is we felt like we we crossed the line into something. Uh, to something good because you know we've got a pile of 50 failures mm-hmm. and i'll never put down another like brandon specifically but there are there are products out there now i got a postcard for a company that launched a shirt and i show it to these guys and they're like yeah we know that technology we just failed that technology happens all the time mm-hmm. i bought a, i bought a sample i bought a t-shirt from another brand i pilled it in three days i have to say that that t-shirt is one of my favorites I work out in it. I don't even like have to wash it very often. It's That's crazy. the idea. Yeah. I always feel bad. I'm like, should I put this in the laundry? Like, no, nah, one, one more. <laughs> right, one more. Right, right. I mean, I mean, my stuff is often coming out of the of the bin. Right. I mean, yeah. boy, is that a test? It's in there. I mean, not for everybody, right? Yeah. But you're like, what am I gonna do? Pull a dress shirt out of the hamper, put it back on. Yeah. Go okay. again. And yeah. then you know, in terms of the number of things we own. And traveling and the blend of our lives. I mean, you go on a trip, like maybe you have you know a couple of meetings and then you meet a friend, you know, going out to dinner or drinks, and then one day you're on a bike and then you're gonna do this and you're riding on the airplane. I mean, just don't wanna own that many things, don't wanna carry that many things, don't want the hassle. That's what we do. And a lot of it's like lightweight too. And that's I mean, yes. that's a big thing in the travel community is like are are these chinos light enough weight so it doesn't add 14 grams to your suitcase and right. that sort of thing. So, so and but I don't think you had mentioned 
by the time you do the blazer, is that when you had settled on the travel thing? Or like, when does when do you really get enough customer feedback that you're like, yeah, yeah we're a travel brand? Yeah, by then we'd, we'd, we'd figured it out. I mean, we knew that customers were always finding us for travel and then using us back home. And we'd surveyed our customers and they really told us that. We still wrestle with, or at the time wrestle with, you know, how what do we present to them? What products do we make that are most exciting for their lives? There's sort of my vision and there's our customers and you got to do something that, you know, is meeting both. Make sure that, you know, are there guys who are, having the same frustrations, you know, with a polo shirt that I'm having, right, for example. So that's what we figured out. And with that new strategy, or I guess, kind of, or maybe more clear branding, um, did that change any of your marketing activities or did you kind of keep doing your own content, working with bloggers? We see a lot of affiliate programs mm-hmm. uh, and the Blowforce affiliate program is very proactive and, and like well-managed that's good um especially for the size of brand like there's mm, much larger yeah. brands that are awful mm, and mm. for like the size of company and, and that is mm. very good mm. yeah so I'm, i mean that seems like that's that's a big part of your, your marketing program so you know what are you doing nowadays that's that's working yeah i mean i think we wouldn't have a brand without being in travel because our customers looking for a solution to a problem they have which is i'm going on a trip to europe and i want to look great that kind of thing you know mm. or i'm traveling three days a week for work and i want to look great so we write on topics that are related to travel in terms of SEO. Mm-hmm. We talk about packing, you know, we talk about capsule wardrobe and men's outfitting. And it's interesting. A lot of our customers, they want help with putting together an outfit, which I guess maybe it's not surprising to you guys because it's, you know, it's what you do to guide them. But sometimes mm-hmm. we've been surprised when in the beginning people are like, what color, you know, chinos should I pair with my Navy Gramercy blazer? And we're like, try khaki, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. But that's so gratifying to us. Our customer service, four customer service people, they're like the heart and strength of the company because, you know, everybody's got different skills and a guy may not feel comfortable or know what looks good together. Mm-hmm. And when they can help that customer and, you know, support his, his trip or his life or, or whatever he's doing, like that's, that's our favorite stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you work with them to develop kind of like a brand voice in customer service? Yes. So that it's like, it's still, because it's all, it all trickles down from the founder, yes. right? And so yes. you want them to kind of have the Bluffworks idea of customer service. We still get emails that are like, hey, Stefan, you know, I got this size, but I want to exchange it. wonder what you think about, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's Amazing. Good. We should probably talk about women's, women's wear, right? Yeah. No, he's talking about women's. That's, that's a new, going, uh, into the, going into the real side of the industry. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I keep, I keep telling people, it's like, I can't wait for the men's side, like, and YouTube, like we know everybody who does the men's stuff, mm. but like on the women's side, it's massive. And it's mm-hmm. like, you keep waiting for the men's stuff to actually pick up, but mm-hmm. it's like, we're kind of over here churning. Mm-hmm. But so yeah. uh, what was the, the, the seed for the women's line? You know, the, the most interesting t- detail to tell about women's is that the company, I mean, I wouldn't have a company if, if we hadn't moved to Vietnam and moving to Vietnam was my wife's idea. It was Rachel's idea, right? She was the one who's like, we got to live someplace. It's different than traveling. What? And she's like, come on. You know, now she's a, she's a principal administrator at a, a French and English bilingual school um, where my kid goes. But the point is like her life, you know, she'll come home. She'll be like, I did 12 flights of stairs today. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Which, which is, which is a lot. She's running in between two buildings, like just zipping around. And um, prior to putting out, you know, our line, she'd be wearing like a pair of Columbia pants in New York. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're comfortable, they fit, they like, you know, I guess they stretch and they probably wick enough. She's not wearing those to work, but she's wearing those on a, on a weekend or whatever. Yeah. And we could be, you know, she speaks French fluently and we could be at like a French bistro or whatever. And, you know, sometimes she's wearing what we rolled out of the park in because we just, we're just playing with, with my son, right? Mm-hmm. And 
there was no option for her that could be fashionable and like keep up and like go, go, go. And when I see a problem, it just sort of, you know, gnaws at me. And uh, it drives me crazy that like women can't have pants that have a pocket that fits their phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see it all the time, the phone sticking out. Mm-hmm. So we put a pocket that's behind a pleat. You can put a phone in your front pocket and can't see the woman's carrying her phone in her front pocket, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have a side sort of rib cage pocket in our dress that you could just put a credit card or a driver's license. So if she's going out to have a drink, doesn't want to carry a purse, Remember, you know, the credit cards can go here and then her phone can go in her dress pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not rocket science. It's just empathy. That's my favorite part of the vest. I had a video on Brock's channel where like my whole EDC is like in different zipper pockets yeah. in the vest. And yeah. uh, I'll put that on the like the TSA <laughs> belt. Yes. I just take my vest off, put it on the belt, pick That's it up. Exactly what I do. Yeah. Right on. Absolutely. Isn't that great? They so, like Inspector Gadget taking stuff out of that vest. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, but in women's, it's like it's a whole different thing. So is that like two years ago or three years ago? I mean, she's probably complaining about the clothes. Uh, for a while, but when you know when is it finally like all right? I need to approach this. In the well, I mean, let's be, way. be clear. We only make a few pieces that's still happening to her now, right? There's oh. so many things that I need to flesh out for her line. Like, mm. what is that? What is that woman's raincoat that looks elegant in a city that's mm. packable and has a you know satisfying hand feel and isn't too shiny and and too technical, right? So there's ways to go. But it took us two years to get here in terms of women's, and uh, we just launched a pant, a blouse, a dress, and a t-shirt using the same fabric, men's t-shirt. And we've got a women's blazer that is sort of in the wings that we'll see, you know, when that gets released. And uh, I mean, it's it just launched last week. Very fresh. Yeah. So, very and do, fresh. do you think it's like the same type of customer, like kind of someone who maybe they discover you through travel, but they're urban, urban adventurer and they just want functional clothes that look good? Yeah, let's go back to my wife. So we, uh, I, my wife and combined with a survey, so we surveyed our customers. We got responses from over 500 women and we ask about like brands they know. So my wife is not even living in New York. Sure, she sees, you know, ads and billboards, but she doesn't really know what Outdoor Voices is, right? Which, you know, we all know is a, a very fast moving, young, new uh, athleisure, you know, technical wear startup, right? Um, so that's sort of the newest kid on the block. March back from that, there's Lululemon. Mm. She won't shop at Lulu. She's an athletic customer, right? Mm-hmm. She's aware of Lulu. She wouldn't pay the price. She's an athletic, but she lives in New York. So the stereotype and, and many of the brands that are started are, are they're such urban, hip D2C brands because they're started by young, urban, hip guys. But our products appeal to sort of a, a normal person. Most of our customers live in cities, Right. But they could be, you know, like my wife, highly educated, has more books than clothes, but has this professional job and uh, just, you know, she needs a solution. That was a huge thing. I worked with Timberland a few years ago and their whole like brand, the, the customer identity they were going for was the outdoor lifestyler. And it was like every product had to come back to the outdoor lifestyler and they paid a ton of money for a brand, for like an agency to tell them, you're looking for the outdoor lifestyle. Yeah. It's like the guy who works in an office and then on weekends he's going out and he's mm. like checking out the parks and the yeah. little thing. And I remember every single, every single employee was like, okay, yeah, but with the OLS like this, then I don't know about that. And like it all came back to that. But it's interesting because like you very much have your avatar for who the men's customer is. It's yeah. like, it's a traveler yeah. and, and that sort of thing. But on the women's side, like it is, it could be anybody. Like my wife loves technical, technical garments and she's just like stay at home mom, but she needs it because it's easier to clean when you get food on you because the kids throw food at you and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's the same thing It's a professional person who most likely travels quite a bit, who wants to look great, 
but doesn't care about clothes to the degree that she's spending a ton of money on her clothes. She's dry cleaning. She mm -hmm. hates to shop, right? But, you know, she's active and she needs and wants to look good. So it's like, like every brand now, like all these major brands, like J crew, um, banana Republic, like they all have their travel pants now, or they all have a tech yep. pant or a travel jacket, whatever. Do you think that's a, tr obviously they're, you know, they monitor this stuff and they're going to follow whatever trend. Do you think that's here to stay? Or do you think that's where the industry is moving in general? Like all these major brands are moving toward more performance clothing and tech fabrics. Yeah. We've seen brands in the past, like in my last round of investment, people said to me like, what if, you know, I'm going to say the brand, what if somebody was such and such was to make a blazer? And I'm like, well, they did. We went back three years. They made a blazer. They had zippers on the outside. It looked super tech because it was a it was a tech brand. It was Lululemon they were talking about. Mm -hmm. Now Lululemon is getting much more fashion oriented, and they're doing some beautiful things, no doubt. Mm -hmm. um, but the point is that each brand has a has a positioning and a core message, mm -hmm. and to and they've gained trust in that regard, right? So for them to do a product that's an extension, you know, we've even seen this a little bit with some of the products that we've investigated or talked about. We're like. Does the customer want to buy that from Bluffworks? Do we have their trust on it? Mm. As opposed to another brand, we're like, well, well, Bluffworks, I mean, if you're dyed in the wool, buying everything for Bluffworks, then fine. But if you're someone who, you know, you're using a couple different brands, maybe using somebody else stronger for athletic wear, mm -hmm. you know, what it's going to take for me to convince that person that Bluffworks is stronger in athletic wear than that? It's possible, but it can be an uphill climb, right? So yeah. brands really, they take a position. And I've seen them, there's other brands, <laughs> other brands that are sort of in our space where they're like, this is our refined travel outfit. And I got a catalog and I opened it up and they had a shirt with buttons, you know, shirt tabs on the side, wooden buttons, you know, to roll up your shirt and secure it and epaulets. And that was their refined travel outfit mm -hmm. because their customers are less refined. Mm -hmm. right? So is it here to stay with something like Banana Public? And everybody? Yeah, everybody's getting to travel now. I think tech and easy care is still going to be here. But mm -hmm. in terms of credibility and travel, that, that credibility is, is, is people are going to look to, to brands that have the core DNA. Yeah. I think. Yeah. My fair example of that is when Untucket was like really rising. Yeah. J crew did their line of untuckable Untuck shirt. shirts mm -hmm. and all the econ models had tucked in shirts. They're like, this is our untucked shirt. And all the econ <laughs> models had the shirt, but it was tucked in. And it was yeah. like swing and a misc on that yeah. one guys. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you get the right concept. So we got rapid fire questions we ask every guest. Cool. Unprepared, but it's one or two right answers. You ready for that? Yeah. Oxfords or Brogues? Oxfords. Morning shower or evening shower? Morning. Good Lord. <laughs> Some people say both, which is, I, I guess, also an acceptable answer. Yeah. Uh, your favorite Bond actor? The guy with the thick neck that they wanted me to be in Vietnam. Who's the big guy? Big guy. You know, Daniel Craig. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. Thank uh, you. Yeah. yeah. They're like, hey, Daniel Craig is opening in Vietnam. Like, we need a white guy to put on tuxedo. You could be James Bond. I'm like, this is not going to work. Wow. Uh, cardio or lifting? Oh, no, no. That's a both. Has to be uh, everything. The last book you read? Dan Harris's book on meditation. I don't like the title. I'll say it. 10% happier. He explains in the book why it's that. Meditation is a secret weapon. Unbelievable. Okay, good. We'll get to that. Uh, chinos, jeans, or trousers? Chinos. Ascender chinos. No doubt about Ascender it. Ascender from Bluffworks. <laughs> uh, spring, summer style or fall, winter style? Spring, summer. Probably the first one we've ever had. Uh, yeah, we'll maybe We'll have to look back in the catalog. Yeah. It's because we're doing shit in the spring, so it's a style that's like... Here's a litmus test for me. Like, backpack or rolling luggage. Like, my hand's got to be free. Mm -hmm. Like, shit's going on. Yeah, true. Lovers or sneakers? 
I wear a lace up boot. Sorry. Oh. Uh, and if you're getting in the shower at, and you like to pump yourself up for the day, what is the song you're playing? <laughs> or are you just meditating? <laughs> um, Silence. Yeah. Tip of the hat to Jocko Willick. Jocko Willink? Mm-hmm. Does he have songs? Yeah, he's got a uh, he's got a disciplined podcast. Oh, I've so been no, no, sorry. Was... Of course, he has a podcast, Jocko Podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has um like discipline equals freedom. He has two versions on iTunes, and one of them set to music. Don't use it all the time because it's a powerful weapon, and you want to make sure it stays in the right place. But yeah. roll that out, then we'll get you going. Nice. I listen to they have a kids podcast. <laughs> yes, Jocko. the Warrior Kid, the Warrior absolutely. Kid. Yeah, he had a whole book and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I wow. mean, hey, if we're gonna talk about podcast, um. I think the recipe for a good podcast is when you have a, a really tight and specific message and he's rolling through his guests on this like tight and specific message, like continuously. And I think that's why his stuff is, is so interesting, but maybe that's a diversion. Well, no, it's his, it's his personality funneled through the podcast. Like he's an intense guy, right? He has this message. He wants people to be better. And so right. kind of right. get everybody through there on point. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we do like style and a little bit of entrepreneurship, so we're kind of over the yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Like, point of view. That's what, that's what makes it good. So you just launched Women's very recently. Like, what are you most excited about in the next 12 months? Man, what am I most excited about? We have our hands full. I'm very excited about putting out a catalog. Physical catalog, mail it out. Very excited about that. Yeah. And will you mail that to your customers or will you mail that to a, a broader audience? Yeah. So, I mean, the way the catalog business works is you have to send 100,000 pieces to, to make it productive. And so you have a percentage of that audience that comes for our own. And then you lease a list. That's why you all get so many catalogs in the mail. But we have so much to say about like the travel outfit, that capsule wardrobe and, you know, blazer combined with this shirt and this pant, how it fits in your bag and how it can power a trip that would be product focused and editorial as well. Like, is that for the holiday or is that in the spring? That's spring. Five pocket in the ascender. We were just looking at colors. That'll be great. And then two new blazers. Hmm. Two new blazers. They're right there sitting next to you. Oh, well. So pretty exciting. <laughs> this is audio only, so people can't see. They have to wait to see the spring. Yeah, yeah. Those are spring. Those then, are part of the spring line. That's spring line. And then in terms of, you know, the women's side, getting feedback to see, you know, what, what's our hero product there? What does she connect with? What does she think? Mm-hmm. Using that to, to innovate. All right. Well, that's really great. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Excited to sit down with you. And Pleasure. I've been, I think I've had some of your stuff for two, three years or so. It's been cool to watch the brand grow. And yeah, definitely check out the Pitch Podcast. And you have like big stuff for the holiday season. We do. Good. So yeah. people to check that out. We do. Bluffworks.com. You know, get on the mailing list and we always run a significant holiday sale. And there's mm-hmm. a couple of special things in there. So yeah, it's a good time. That's great. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. A pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys.